Uh, and so we've kind of talked to kind of had a the big picture sort of thing. Uh, and last week we kind of talked about men and, and, and women and mutual submission and all of, all of that. Uh, and so this morning we're going to talk about children. But before we get to that, I wanted to get to our, uh, our memory verse uh, together here today. Uh, assuming this will work. There we go. Uh, whoops. Memory verse. Uh, so let's say this together. Follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. So um, before we move into the children part, though, I do want to come back to one part because last week we laid it on pretty heavy. I'm surprised we've got any guys that have come back. You know, they're all kind of like, man, that was, a, that was a heavy one. And it was all based on the fact that women are, are, are called to respect men, uh, but, but men are called to love sacrificially their wives uh, and their families. And I kind of hinted at this, uh, and I apologize. I was going to do marriage part two today, but with the preaching schedule, that didn't quite work out. So moving on. So here's the part I do want all of you women to pay attention. You all looking at this? Okay, this is, you got to get this verse. This verse says, these, uh, these older women must train up younger women to love their husbands as their children. So you don't get off the hook, ladies, okay? So you're so lucky that it didn't fit into the schedule, or I'd be talking about you this week. So We'll just let that one go. So what we do want to talk about today is, uh, is children uh, and, and this business of raising children. I know it seems kind of trivial because raising kids is so easy, you know, and it's just wonderful that, you know, no problems and all of that. And you all have perfect children, amen? <laughs> yeah, when, when you, get, you know, I tell people, before I had kids, I was an expert on kids. And after, now that they're out of the house, I'm an expert on raising kids again. But that time in between was a little dicey with all of that. Um, so uh, the difficulty with children, you know, is that it's complicated. It's, it's hard. Uh, and we're all always looking for answers. And frankly, I've reached the stage in the empty nest where I reflect now on, on raising our children. And I have several things where I go, oh, why did I do that? You know, uh, I needed to do that better. And so I want us to look this morning uh, at, at, at what the Bible kind of teaches about that aspect. Um, but, but one of the things I just need to let you know is uh, the Bible talks about parenting a fair amount, but it's kind of scattered through Scripture. And I, I'm really big on preaching has to be exegetical. And what that means is it, it needs to say what the Scripture says, what the original audience would have heard and what the original author wrote. So usually that means I take a chunk and I kind of work through it. But I'm going to jump around a bit. But I have done the exegetical work on these passages. So uh, it, that part I, I just want you to be aware of. So here's what I know for sure about, about parenting. Jesus prioritized children. Jesus prioritized, say Jesus prioritized children. Jesus prioritized this is the main point through this whole thing in all of this is that Jesus uh, prioritized uh, them. Uh, and our scripture this morning is found in Mark chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, or we'll put it up here or on our app or wherever you'd like to get that. Uh, and what's going on is Jesus has been uh, teaching, uh, and some people want to bring their children to Jesus, and the disciples weren't too thrilled about that. And he teaches a really important lesson in the midst of that. So the scripture says this, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, which is a form of blessing. 
But the disciples rebuked them. And in the original language, the word rebuked is really hard. They really kind of got on these folks. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And that, too, is, is a, a pretty strong uh, word. It carries kind of the idea of very displeased, okay? He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And the word hinder there carries the idea of, of prevent or forbid or withhold. And so the concept here isn't simply that you intentionally do it, but that if you withhold it from them, that this is a problem. The kingdom of God is for them. And so this, this gives us the priority of Jesus in, in all of this. Um, he, he pushed aside the important people. He pushed aside, you know, the people that were there listening to him. And he had been teaching for a good part of the day at, at that point. And of all his teachings that he's trying to get to them, he said, these children and blessing them are more important than all of, uh, of that, okay? So again, Jesus prioritized children. Say it again. Okay, so the text goes on then and says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, and notice it says not being childish, but like a little child, will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. So he literally picked up each one individually, put them in his arms, put his hand on their head or someplace, usually a head would be the traditional place, and he blessed them. And it carries the idea of asking God's blessing on them and consecrating them. So he, he's, he's kind of giving them to, to God in that moment, almost like kind of a, a child dedication sort of thing that's going on. Um, so because Jesus prioritized children, children are always welcome in the worship center. Amen? I tell that to parents all the time, you know, when they're coming in, especially when you're new. They'll, you know, when you're new, the little kids don't generally want to go down, go down the aisle and be with all these kids they don't know. So we bring them in here for a time. They listen to me once, and next Sunday they are ready to go, man. Um, so, but, but children are always welcome in the worship center. If they make a little noise, that's okay. Amen? Because Jesus prioritized children over folks that, that think we're important. Another thing I want you to get out of this is Generations Community Church is committed to being an intergenerational church. And I'm not using the word multi-generational for a reason. Because multi-generational just means they're in your church. It doesn't have any implication about relationship between the generations. Intergenerational means they're connected and they influence one another in all, all kinds uh, of ways. So some of you have heard this illustration before. This is the one I give all the time when we talk about this. Uh, we, want, we want to be a stew church, not a salad church, okay? A salad, when you put a salad together, at least this is what my wife tells me, when you put a salad together, you put in like the lettuce and you put in a tomato and you put in, you know, uh, a radish and you put in things that have color in it so that it looks nice, you know, and it sits in there and there's all these different flavors in there and they're kind of touching each other, but they don't really influence each other. The lettuce doesn't become more like a radish because it's sitting next to it. You can taste the radish, you can taste the lettuce, but, but they don't influence either, each other. But if you're making a stew, you put in the, the meat, you know, uh, whether it's a cow or in my particular case, I like ham in stew, and I know you all think I'm weird because I have ham in my stew, but just live with it. We've got to love each other, okay? So, and you put in potatoes, and you put in carrots, and you put in an onion and whatever else you put in there, and then you turn the heat up, and what happens? 
Well, the meat starts to release some of its flavor and it gets into the potato. And the potato releases some of its flavor and it gets into the carrot. And the carrot releases some of its flavor and it gets into the meat and into the potato. And pretty soon, they have all made each other better because they're interconnected and they're, they're influencing one another. And that's the kind of church we want to be. We don't want to just have children. We want to be a church that because we have multiple generations in our church, and we have very much multiple generations, that it makes everybody better. And I know it's easier for you as adults to think, yeah, we can make those kids' lives better. But I'm here to tell you that their influence on you makes you better too. Man, some of you, it comes in the form of patience. No amens, just nervous giggles. Okay, we'll leave that one alone through all of that. So, this passage reveals something about Jesus' attitude here. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck, got that picture, than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. I love it when the Bible threatens us. So watch yourselves. Any of you have your parents say at some point, so watch yourselves? My, you know, when I was like on the line or over the line, I got this, so watch yourself. That was kind of the warning, you know, me, 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 you're on the line. The next thing that happens is going to be unpleasant, you know. So, so watch yourselves. So not only did Jesus kind of rebuke the disciples and push them away, but he really, really cares about this issue. This issue of the place of children in the kingdom of God matters a lot to him. There are very few places where Jesus actually threatens people other than religious leaders. And this is one of them. He says, this, this just matters, so watch yourself, okay? So here's what I know, and kind of coming out of this passage is this. Family is God's love delivery system, okay? You know what a delivery system is? Coffee is a caffeine delivery system, amen? <laughs> I mean, I drink it because it kind of wakes me up. Uh, in all of that. And, and, and love is, the family is where you, a child first experiences a being loved and, and loving others. And it comes in all kinds of ways. It's not just words. I mean, I can stand up here and talk about love, but love is really something that's, that's lived out. So one of my earliest memories as a child is my dad getting down on the floor and wrestling around with us, with me and my, my sister, and we'd grab him, and I'd get him in a lock, you know, in his head, and, and when he got tired, I always won, because he'd just lay on the floor, floor and then I'd kind of like, I won, I won! It wasn't until years later I figured out, well, he just let me win, kind of a thing, you know? And then we'd ride him around like a horse, you know, and I'll, Am I the only one that did this? You know, had this happen? It, it was, it, but in that moment, I just learned of a father's love, and it came through touch and, and, and connection and laughter and, and all of those sorts of things. And there's just all kinds of ways in which a family can teach love that a larger community cannot. And so God has begun with the family. Adam and Eve and, and the kids came along pretty fast in all, all of that. And that's because this is how God teaches the next generation what love is. It's a love delivery kind of system that God has for us. And then, um, children are first and most fully formed in the family. First and most fully formed in the family. Here's a statistic I, I read this week. On average, kids will spend about 24 to 40 hours a year at church. Some of you are, are more than that because you're more involved. Some of you maybe not as much. They will spend with their family between 2,000 and 3,000 hours every year. Some of you are going, oh, that's why I'm tired. 3,000 hours with my kids, you know. 
But, but what I want to make, tell you about that is the church cannot be the one that does all of the teaching about Jesus. We only get them 24 to 40 hours. You get them two to 3,000 hours. And so honestly, a part of our children's department is we want to train you and help you in the process of forming your children into the image of Christ. If you walk down our children's aisle, you will see that there's these things that talk about the stages or the phases, if you will. And that's because the curriculum we use has been kind of synced up with, with the phase stage development of children, and now they're talking about the spiritual part. You know, At this stage, this is kind of where they're at. At this stage, this is kind of where they're at. And all, all children have stages, amen? Okay, yeah, I have, I have uh, one that's, that's two and a half and one that's 19 months and the, in, in the this two stage. I am telling you, two is a definite stage, okay? I didn't know you could, you, could, you know, it, it didn't, doesn't matter what you say, they say no. They have two words, no and why, you know? Why? Over and over and over and over. And it's okay. It's a stage. We're going to have a party when they get out of it, but it's a stage, you know? And same with the, your spiritual life. So it, it's formed uh, there. Uh, so important that, that you form it with your family, okay? The most important place to learn parenting is from God. And this is where I kind of want to jump off at this point as we move into the rest of it. You know, there are lots of places where you can learn parenting, and there's lots of really good books about the particulars. I'm going to actually recommend one uh, in, in a little bit. But ultimately, we need to model ourselves after the way God parents us. Amen? We are his children, and he parents us, and so we learn from them. So how does God parent us? How does God parent you? Well, number one, he's patient with you. Okay, number one, he's patient with you. Yes, I'm telling you, that's an important one. He's merciful to you. He's kind to you. He's patient with you. He's generous. He's forgiving. He's patient. He's gracious. He's tender-hearted. He's patient. Get the idea? Okay. That, that's the way God parents, parents us, and that's the way he wants us to parent in the world uh, as, as well. So we're going to kind of jump around in, in some places where it talks about uh, how God wants us to do that. So uh, first one is Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Another place that topic comes up. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. In, in Colossians over there. So you need to know that in Bible times, a discipline was very harsh. They, they literally would beat them sometimes. And so what you see going on here is in the very early days of the Christian church, they are beginning to pull the people back from that and saying, whoa, 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 the beating your kids is not a good thing. We need to slow down the, that level of that. And that's not to say you're not to discipline them, but it is to say that, that there's a certain responsibility uh, in, in all of that. So here, here's what that would say, if I could put that in modern language. It's on parents to protect their, children from emotion, their children's emotional well-being during discipline. Let me say that again. It's on parents to protect children's emotional well-being during discipline. That's an important sort of thing. In fact, the idea of protecting the emotional well-being of your children would have been a revolutionary concept in the first, in the first century because children were hardly more than, than property at, at that sort of thing. And so you have the authors, the early apostles, saying, whoa, wait a minute, we need to rethink this because we believe children are made in the image of God. Amen? And, and so it, it matters how, how we do that. And I have known lots and lots and lots of adults that have been scarred emotionally because they had parents that simply beat the tar out of them. And in fact, I'm just going to kind of say something that may get me in trouble a little bit. But back when I was growing up, there was a time in the church where uh, there was kind of this fad that came through the church 
that was all about you have to spank your children, okay? And it was a response to the perception that nobody was spanking their children anymore. And some people took that well. I, we, we spanked, uh, but to be honest with you, very, very, very rarely. Uh, my son, in fact, the other day asked me, Dad, did you ever spank me? And I said, yeah, just a few times when you were young and because of danger, right? I was keeping out of the street kind of a thing. Uh, and it happened maybe three or four times in, in that period. So he had no memory of that. Um, but there was a time when they came through and they wanted us all to spank. And honestly, having talked to the people that grew up through that time, man, there were some people that just spanked their kids for everything over and over again and all kinds of stuff. And, and even like little kids where they would say they're being defiant and then they would spank them and they're like three. They don't even know what defiant is at that stage, right? So I'm saying to you, you need to be careful for the emotional well-being. And that's what, what Scripture says uh, through all of that. Um, there's a couple more verses that sometimes get used. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but whoever loves him is diligent to discipline him. And when I was growing up, every time I heard this, I didn't know the rest of this. It basically said, spare the rod and spoil the child, and then they'd spank him, right? And again, I'm not against spanking. We did that. It's just very, very limited. But whoever loves him will discipline him. Do you know that discipline is more than correction? Discipline is the idea of guiding them in the right path. It's of helping them, of helping them to learn and, and, and grow uh, in that. And then the next Proverbs, a few chapters later, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And the, the word train there is the idea of prepare or guide them. Uh, and so it, it's the idea of showing them how to do something. Your single best, best tool you have to train up a child is words and example. I guess that's two, so it's not the single best. But words, talk to your children and, uh, and set an example uh, for your kids. Talk to them about, about making good choices, about learning how to be an adult, learning how to make the choices that are God-honoring in their life. Because the other model, where you just control them till they're 18, do you know what happens at 18 in one day? Woohoo! And they go crazy, you know? I, uh, I went to college, and uh, our colleges sometimes get kids that they send there, uh, you know, believing that the school will straighten them out. And I was in the dorm with some of those kids, and they got into a lot of trouble. Not that I didn't do stuff, but, but nothing like that. And so it's so important that, you, that you, you train them. And so let me recommend a book to you. This is an old book, uh, but I haven't kept up with what the latest books are. This is the one that was really helpful for Jody and I. It was called Parenting with Love and Logic, Teaching Children Responsibility. Teach them how to make good choices, because when they turn 18, they're going to make their own choices, whether you like it or not. Amen? So we need to prepare them. And then, um, discipline is a means, not an end. It's a means to forming them into the image of Christ. It's a means into making them what Christ would have them uh, to be in our lives. Uh, and, and there's a great passage I love, one of the beginning stuff I really love. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nation. So look at a couple of things here. It says that the no word is the idea of perceive or, or recognize or, or acknowledge. It's the idea that before you were even in the womb, God knew you intimately. He knew all of the ways he was going to make you and all of the things he was going to put into you. And not only that, he consecrated you, which means he did this on purpose to make you uniquely designed for his purposes, for a, a sacred purpose. And, and so God knows this. this is, so how you, how you um, disciple them, how you guide them is based on knowledge of them. Amen? Okay? So let me, let me put it this way. 
God created us as individuals and expects us to treat our children that way. He treats us as a person, as the gifts and the graces you have. And, and this is so important because you, this may come as a revelation, you cannot treat every child the same. And I learned this in my house growing up because I am ADHD. I know that comes as a surprise to some of you, but I am ADHD and I am an audio learner. Reading is not really great for me. My sister is like, well, she's in heaven now, but she was OCD and a visual learner. And, and we just had very, very, very different ways of coming at, at the world. And I'm so thankful that our parents didn't treat us the same because there were things in my life they needed to curb that they didn't need to curb in her life. And there were things in her life they needed to curb that they, they didn't need to curb in, in my life. And God has created us each individually in all kinds of ways. So let me say this to you. Your children are a unique gift from God. Say, unique gift from God. And we need to celebrate the difference in them because God was the one that created them uh, like this. And so this is the, the fun part of this. Psalm 139. For you, uh, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully, which is respectfully, and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that you are, I know that full well. It took me a long time to, to make peace with this passage. Because most of my years growing up, my ADHD did a lot, created a lot of pain for me. I've shared this before. I got my first spanking in kindergarten, okay? You know, and that was back when they spanked kids, and it wasn't the last one. Uh, my ADHD got me off track and got me in trouble, and I was always, I was always the first child that the teacher knew the name of, <laughs> you know? And, and so it, it was hard for me, and, and, and yet I understand now, here's what I really love about it. I love that my ADHD lets me go like this in the pulpit. <laughs> my imagination goes wild, all of that sort of thing. Now I see it as a gift, but for a long time it, it wasn't. But now I understand I am wonderfully made. <laughs> Big pause of silence. Uh, what do we say? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so God makes each one of your children uh, wonderfully. They're a unique uh, gift from God. So now I want to turn to another passage of Scripture, and this is Moses' final address to his people. He's about to die and be buried. Uh, he's kind of recounting what, what God has done uh, in their lives in the Ten Commandments, but he has a profound concern for the next generation, and I think the older you get, the more you have that concern. But here's what he said in, in Deuteronomy. He said, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and, and when you, you get up. And, and the word in, in press is shana. Say shana. It's a, it's a Hebrew word, and it means teach diligently. Not casually, diligently. Uh, and, and the word, the literal word, is the idea of, of sharpening something, of a whetstone and, 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 and sharpening something on that. And so the kind of the image that, that's here is the image of, of making our children into the best that they can be, to the best instrument in God's hands. And I know sharp has some implications. Uh, my, my oldest grandchild uh, is, is two and a half, and he's tall. Uh, and so Jana discovered, my daughter, uh, not long ago, that, that he's tall enough to reach over the top of counters. And she discovered this one day when she came out, and he was in the living room with a knife right? So all the time they were here, we kept having to move knives away because he would reach over and grab. So a, a sharp instrument is dangerous in the hands of the knife. 
But a sharp knife in the hands of a surgeon is life-giving, is it not? You know? And you are creating children that are to be sharp instruments in the hand of Almighty God who wants to use them for kingdom things that, that, that matter for a, a eternity. And so impress, teach and diligently, sharpen them into what God would have them to be. And, and, and you don't have to do it all the time. You just have to do it. You just have to talk about them when you're at home and when you're not at home, okay? And, and when you're going to bed and when you're awake, but if you're not at home or away or asleep or awake, then you don't have to do it. Other than that, you just need to talk about God and, and teach uh, through, through all of that. So um, one of our, our, our mottos here that we're going to get back up on that wall is I will tell the next generation. Say, I will tell the next generation. That's built into our name, generations. That's why that, that's in there. Um, so teach about God as, is best done while you are doing life together. That's the generational kind uh, of piece of it. Um, so th there's a, a, a picture here that I think about. I think about uh, Jesus. And I think about when he, he goes into the, the, his dad's shop and in the, in the working together and, and that, that they begin to talk about God. And, and Joseph begins to tell Jesus about this angel that appeared to him and, 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 and told him to take mother, Mary as his 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 wife and talk about the the wise men and the the shepherds and talk about having to go into to Israel or go into Egypt in order to get away from the show and beginning to tell the story and and there he is in the kitchen with with Mary and she's talking about the angel that came to her and and all of the things that went through that and 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 how much he owes her because she walked 90 miles while she was full-on pregnant you know um, and, and so uh, there, there's this wonderful sense in which you teach your children in doing life together. There's something very powerful about doing it in that context. And one of the major reasons that it's powerful is because kids are more impacted by what they see than what they hear. The way you live it out matters more than what you, you say uh, to them. So do life together and share Christ through all of that. And then here's Psalm 78, our verse. My people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable and I will utter hidden things, things from of old, the ancient truth that's coming down through Israel. Things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. So the faith is being passed down from generation to generation. We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation. Say it again. We will tell the next generation. And here's what you tell them. The praiseworthy deeds of the Lord is power and the wonders he has done. And this is so powerful when you personalize it. When you tell your children about how God came into your life and changed your life. When you tell them about the ways he's worked in your family and all the things that God has done. That is so much more powerful even than a Bible story because the Bible story is off there. But when dad tells them about the day that God intervened in the family's life, that has impact. And I know this for sure, just closing up here. Children need a community of Christ followers. If our musicians would come, they, they need people that, that come around them and that share their stories with them. It's, it's powerful when mom and dad do it. It's powerful when uncles do it. It's powerful when people in the church do it. I am here to tell you that your story of God's working in your life is essential to the spiritual well-being of our children. Okay? Amen? Tell them what God has done. Why do I talk about my cancer and how God healed me so much? Because it's a story of what God has done. And, and it doesn't mean anything to people out there that don't believe in Jesus because they're like, yeah, yeah, right. But to those of you who know me, you remember when I was bald and preaching, right? 
right? <laughs> you, you know all of that. It's the story of, of what God has done. And so I, it's just, I need to tell you again, children will always be a priority in generations because we believe in the next generation. Amen? Amen. We're going to sing in just a minute, and I, um, I never get political, uh, but in this particular context, I do need to talk to you just a little bit because we just preached about children. We just preached about caring about children, and Jesus is caring about children. Uh, coming up in Marysville is a school levy, uh, and, and it failed twice. Uh, they cut over $13 million out of the budget. Uh, and I just want to really encourage you to vote. And I, I will tell you, this is legal. You can't endorse candidates, but you can talk about issues. I would encourage you to vote yes. And you're saying, that'll cost me a lot of money. Yep, it, it, it sure will. But it's not okay to leave children behind. Okay? It's not okay to punish children because we have an argument with the adults and all of that. Jesus said, you all go away, all you important people, and let the children come to me. And he said, by the way, if you get in the way of what I want to do in the lives of children, I have some pretty serious consequences for you. And so I, I just want to encourage you. You know, I don't see what you do. Please, please, please vote. Whenever we have an election, please vote. But I do want to encourage you in our community, um, and I've been to some of the meetings, the school district is in real trouble if this doesn't pass. I mean, we have not yet begun to see those things. And, and I, I am glad for many of you that have the opportunity to put your children in private school. I don't have anything against that or homeschool. I'm not against any of that. I'm just saying it's not okay to say, I've got mine and I don't care about the rest of them. Amen? Amen. Enough said and all that. Let me pray for you and then let's uh, worship the Lord uh, this morning uh, in song. Father God, thank you for the gift that is our children. Thank you, Father, for all of the things that you do through them. Thank you, Father, for the people that invested in us and the churches that invested in us. I'm so thankful for that little church in Hoquim that, that poured their life into this ADHD little boy that couldn't sit still and was always in trouble. Father, I am so grateful for that. I pray that you would do that in us, that this would be a church where our children are celebrated and loved with all of their differences and all of the things that go on in their lives, where families are supported and encouraged uh, in all of this, and where we make the children central, a priority to what we do and how we do it, Father, that we might truly tell the next generation of the wonders of our God, Lord. And we will give you the praise and the glory for all you do in that. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing. Hey, church family. Thank you for watching this video. It is amazing that you consider this your church home. If you do consider this your church home, we would ask that you would share this video with a friend. If God has been speaking to you, we would hope that you would share this message. As always, like and subscribe so that you don't miss a single video and tune in each Sunday at 10 a.m. on our live stream or you can join us in person. We'll see you next week. God bless.